Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I don't like Danny T in past pass protection like or pass dropping. I like Christian Jones in Dude, Eddie Goldman is the best run stopping nose tackle in the league. Well and that's not an exaggeration. That's that bad last year because I felt like our run our run defense went. Well, yeah, because he was he lost there. Goldman. Oh, yeah, I get you. Circumstances and Hick, and Hicks was out for a good portion of the season too, right? It's really going to depend on Hicks. Hicks can be the – I said Eddie Jack – Hicks and Eddie Jacks will be the catalyst for this defense if they're going to be good. I'm nervous for my boy Bo Jack. All right, Joe. We're live. Intro, introduce us, Joe. We're live. Are we live? Your introduction, we are Joe. live. I think, I think we're the live. The podcast, podcast. Right here. Uh, the unaffiliated Believe in Monsters podcast. Excuse me, I had to check my brain there. We are the unaffiliated Monsters podcast looking for a home. If you're a sponsor, we would love to hawk your product right here on the Believe in Monsters podcast. It will be our favorite product. It will make you lots of money, and we have lots of listeners who want to buy your product. My co-hosts, Lucas Berry and Chris Krogman, are right here to sell your product as well on the Believe in Monsters podcast. We will all three use your product and put it on our social medias and talk about it all the time right here on the Believe in Monsters podcast. And when this is a very special episode of the Believe in Monsters podcast because it's week one. It's game week. We finally have some game action to talk about. Rams, Rams, Rams. I know Luke has been a little upset, not one to not one to really take too many takeaways from the preseason. Well, Luke, it's time. It's this Sunday. You better get ready to uh get ready to Take some evaluations and take some takeaways from week one. Now, Chris and I are over here, like, already deciding what the whole season is going to be, but you're holding out on us over there, Luke. So, week one, we're talking a little breakdown, playing the Rams. We're about a 40-point underdog against uh, old <laughs> Matt Stafford and in SoFi Stadium. Aaron Donald coming to eat Andy Dalton's lunch. And, oh, my gosh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. So, Chris Krogman, quell my fears. Well, my fears and talk about this Bears. Well, first, tell us how you're doing. But talk about this Bears and Rams matchup and tell us how you're doing. Joe, I am doing well this evening. I've been, you know, shooting the the breeze with the boys uh, in uh, in chat, in text, in Twitterverse and all that. And, man, I am getting so damn excited for this football season. We have real live football in two days. I had a fantasy football draft over the weekend, have another one tomorrow night. It's the latest one I've ever done in the season or to begin a season. So I am so geeked up. I can't, I can barely sit still, Joe. By this time, almost every day, I'm pretty worn out, but I am fired up to talk to you gentlemen, fired up about this game coming up. Yes, we are seven and a half point dogs, I believe, at this point against sure the Matt Stafford-led 
Los Angeles Rams of Anaheim or whatever they're calling themselves nowadays. Uh, LA gets two teams every other decade and nobody knows why because nobody ever wants to go to the game. SoFi is expected to be packed with Chicago Bears fans because, yes, we are real fans. Yes, we travel well and we are going to bring the noise to SoFi Stadium. So he's going to have to tell us about that. Luke's, Luke broke out the big bucks and he's getting out to SoFi Stadium. Sorry to cut you off there, Chris. Continue. I will not allow that again, Joseph. So please keep your keep your excitement for Lucas's attendance to Los Angeles to yourself. Actually, Luke can't stand big cities, so he will not be attending SoFi. Uh, but let's talk a little bit, Joe and Luke, about this roster. But first of all, Lucas, how are you tonight, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm with you, man. I am excited. I know there is a lot of negative energy surrounding the Bears right now. Um, always negative energy. I mean, let's see. I just see what the team has before we go off and, uh, you know, just say they're going to be terrible, worst team in the league, and uh, and looking forward to next year's cap space. Like, we have a game this week. Who cares about all that right now? Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got before we cast the team off. Let's give Dalton a chance. It's chicken little bears fans. It's it, they're more, I mean, like, it's like anything, right? The, the loudest 10% are representing way too many of us. And we are here to balance that out because it's complete bullshit. Uh, I don't need to hear any more of this chicken little sky is falling. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are the worst people on the planet type of, uh, talk when we have a game this week i mean we get to see our boys go out and play some football what was this what what was the vibe like before the 2018 season i i honestly don't recall what it was like before the season i don't even think i had twitter then um i mean i'm sure bears fans were super negative before that one too so i feel like 2018 was it was a decent buzz but the Khalil Mack trade happened like a week before the season. And then it went absolutely apeshit and we got our hopes up. Uh, Mitch Trubisky had a good 17. Uh, he was, you know, the, there was the whole one Oh one to two Oh two bullshit conversation out of Nagy and, and Trubisky and, and all of that. So the buzz was good. And then they came out and started putting a whooping on the Packers early you know, Rodgers went down. Uh, things were looking great, and obviously, then it all went to shit because. Well, ooh, yeah, ooh, I guess ooh. that's different too, because that that was Nagy's first year as well. So, um, I mean, this is just this is basically feeling like second year or third year, how whatever John Fox's last year was in Chicago. It's basically feeling like that going into the season. I mean, it was just, just people are miserable, man, and this team is worlds better than anything John Fox put out in the field. So. We gotta get excited. I mean, we got some good players. Um, obviously, we got Justin Fields sitting on the bench. I know you and I would love to see him out there, but let's uh, let's let Dalton lose the job first. I mean, it, like we said before, I think he deserves a shot to go out there and compete Sunday. Win, I agree. Lose, get your ass kicked. Whatever. It, you know, one game, half a game, whatever. He deserves his first chance. So he'll get that, and uh, hopefully, the Bears make the right decision after they can evaluate him properly. Uh, and with his fair shot. So after Aaron Donald sits on his face. Now I remember I remember this combo we had a few years ago. Not us specifically, but people were worried about how bad 
Aaron Donald was going to kill James Daniels in his rookie year. Good. James Daniels, I don't think, allowed a single sack or pressure all game from him. Like, he kept him quiet. So sometimes these, sometimes guys step up in big moments. You never know who it's going to be. So we'll see. I mean, the Bears have to have a good plan in place for him, obviously. I won't say James Daniels owned Aaron Donald, but damn, did he hold his ground against yeah, that man. Good. I mean, I'm, I'm saying, like, comparatively speaking, like, Daniels being a rookie and circumstantially. No, it was a good, it was a good game for that. It was a good game for that kid. I mean, that was, that showed a lot of promise. And honestly, we're going to have, you know, the interior of that offensive line, obviously the weakness looks like it's going to be Sam Mustafer, but Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, assuming they're healthy are solid. Uh, Jermaine Effetti, same story. Uh, question marks are going to be, you know, Jason Peters. Um, and if he holds up, he's been allegedly doing 55 to 60 reps in practice. So he's ready to do a full game. Uh, mentioned talking a little bit about the roster and a, a, a few more moves after we talked last week about the final roster and some, you know, some of the inside linebacker moves that were a little odd have been kind of adjusted. Danny T went on IR. Josh Woods was cut. Um, some of the cornerbacks, Artie Burns was brought back after uh, we talked about um, Jenkins going on IR or whatever he went on. Uh, Pup uh, also um, Tariq Cohen's on the pup list. So, um, Christian or Marquee Christian is back in the secondary. So all these guys that we had talked about getting cut and guys that, you know, some of us on the pod liked, I really, you know, liked Marquee Christian, Luke, I know you had some good takes on him as well. Joe as well with, with that, with that young man. So I'm glad to see him back with the team. Uh, we added Brashard Perriman as a wide receiver or Brishad. I'm not quite sure how he likes to pronounce his name, but I'm going to call him Perriman because that's easy for me. And then we also, uh, yeah, that's a great move. We'll talk about that in a little <laughs> bit. And uh, added punt returner specialist, lightning fast Simba Webster. And if he does well, a name like Simba is just too much fun. So we are going to be we are going to be singing some Lion King, dude. Wouldn't it be awesome if he took one back against Detroit and we could call him the Lion King? Oh my gosh, that's going to be fun. That would be sick. The Lion King, Columbia. the Lion King. So yeah, let's uh. <laughs> Let's get excited about a few of these guys. You know, Rashad Perryman, he's a good deep threat ad. Luke, I know you're a big fan. Why don't you uh why don't you dig into what you like about Perryman? I mean, he just uh I, I'm just so happy to see Wims and Ridley off this roster finally. And I mean, we we've talked about it a lot and we've said, you know, um kind of just the the new wave of we can see what the bears are doing with the vision is with the wide receivers they want to get fast and just beat you downfield in it for a guy like justin fields more so than andy Dalton. i mean that accentuates his skill set a lot i mean you're going to spread the field and then leave things wide open for him scrambling or, or trying to run the ball even but perryman fits right in there with you know taylor gabriel and uh 
Um, the other burner we have, Mooney. Mooney, and who else do we have? Who's the other guy? Marquise Goodwin and Demir Bird. Demir Bird. I think Demir Bird's very fast as well. So, yeah, all those guys are sub-4-4 four, four guys pretty much. Um, Perryman fits right in. Obviously, he's had some trouble drops before, and, you know, he, he's kind of a one-trick pony, but you look what he did with Tampa Bay with Jameis Winston with a guy who just slings the rock. I mean, he had 600 and about 50 receiving yards, six touchdowns for them. And he didn't really, I don't think he really came into action until like mid to late that season. Saw a lot more of him. So, um, yeah, I, I just think it's an exciting ad for a guy who was basically available, you know, just some waiver wire scraps. And I mean, even last year on the Jets, 30 receptions for 505 yards. I mean, he's averaging almost 17 yards reception, which is just insane. Um, so, can't complain with that production. I mean, he's a wide receiver four or five, and that's what he is. You're going to live with the drops, but uh, the big playability is going to open up a lot of things, I think, for this offense. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's what I got on the guy. I'm, I'm stoked about the ad, especially, like I said, getting Wims and Ridley out of here for someone like that. Yeah, I like the I like the ad as well, Luke. Going back to his combine numbers, the guy's 6'2", 212, 32-inch uh, arms, which is only in the 40%. 49th percentile hand size is nine and a quarter uh 40th percentile that's why you see a lot of these drops um i do believe there is a way you can lengthen your fingers maybe he should look into that (laughs) (laughs) do tell how how do you do that i think you just like stretch them every day dude you just pull on them and just make them bigger no i'm dead serious there was a there was a quarterback that did this before the combine either last year or the year before where he like worked on his, his hand size somehow. And I can't remember how he did it, but Luke, I I see you busy at that keyboard looking that up. So uh, figure it out for us. Uh, But his spark numbers are phenomenal. He's got a four, two, four, 40, 99th percentile. That is blazing fucking fast for a six, two guy, Uh vertical jump of 32, 36 and a half and a broad jump of 127 inches. That is, that is nuts. I mean, that is a phenomenal athlete right there. If he can, you know, put some stick them on or some, you know, maybe those big foam hands will be like better for him to catch the ball. Then that would be great because he he could pretty much outrun uh, Usain Bolt. Yeah. So what would you say his forty time was? Four two four. All right. So you got him at four four two four. Demir Bird is four two five. Marquise Goodwin is four two seven. And then you got Mooney, who is. Um, Four three five. Uh, you're in a second. Yeah, four three eight. So like, four, three, eight. <laughs> you got four yeah. sub four four. That is blazing. Yeah, and then you just have Allen Robinson killing you underneath. Like, if those, you know, if one of those guys can be a legitimate deep threat all year for the Bears, it's going to leave so much underneath for Allen Robinson, especially if he's playing out of the slot more, uh, which is something to watch for. We're going to see a lot of Allen Robinson in the slot this year, from what I've heard. Uh, definitely interesting. You get some nice mismatches there across the middle on some uh, smaller slot corners. So I'm excited about this wide receiver room. I think it's the best group I've seen the bears have in quite a few years. I mean, I don't think they're like, I don't think they have like one. I mean, a Rob's pretty damn good, but I don't think they have like one Devonte Adams type talent, but I think across the board, they're a solid group. I agree. I'm excited about this, the speed of this team. And like you said, it does open up that underneath. I think another position group that's going to eat because of that speed is the tight ends. 
You got, you know, Jimmy Graham, who's an old man, but catches damn near everything, led the world in tight ends last year, uh, or tight end touchdowns last year with nine. Uh, and Cole Komet coming into his second year and going to, you know, tight end university with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, I think is going to benefit that young man very well, along with, you know, a great preseason from Jesper Horstead. Uh, and, you know, I, I know I we're invite Tim Tebow to that camp, Chris. Did you what now? I just wanted to throw you off. <laughs> they did not invite Tim Tebow. I think he actually begged to go there. Yeah, that's what they like, said. Uh-uh. They were like, no, they, bro, they, you're, they a, send, you're an upset for Bible the punt camp. team. <laughs> hey, now. Jesus <laughs> is frowning on you. <laughs> no need for No need for that, sir. Uh, they sent him back to the Mets double-A baseball team is actually where they sent him. Nah, they don't need him. They That's neither here nor there. So I do like this wide receiver room, Luke. I agree. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh maybe just a track meet, but hey, that's gonna wear some corners down. They'll get tired. Uh Darnell Mooney is the guy that's really gonna eat. And I think Demir Bird has a good chance to to be the guy that's kind of the the diamond in the rough uh player of that group. And maybe Perriman refines himself this year. He's a former first round pick. So I have zero issues with, you know, adding Perriman. Luke, you kind of called that when he got cut that you'd like to see him get added. A lot of Bears fans every year when somebody gets cut, they're like, add him, add him, add him. It's like every single guy that got cut over the over the week last year. I think I saw brought up in some form or fashion from Bears uh, Twitter. But Luke, you actually called one that was picked up, and that is a phenomenal addition by the Bears. I mean, not phenomenal. It's it's a it's a it's a big ad. It's an ad. It's phenomenal that you got it right. Yeah. Nice, nice, it, nice. It ad. gets it gets like I said. It gets the old out in with the new, in with the fast Bears. We love it for Justin Fields as soon as he gets on the field. Joe, I know you're feeling a little less optimistic about this game, which is fair. But what do you think the Bears can do versus the Rams this week to beat them? What 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 will the Bears have to do to win this game? Don't give me some generic answer. I want a good answer, Joe. Okay, all right, a real answer. Uh, the real answer is okay. The the real answer is they're going to have to get David Montgomery heavily involved in the game. Uh, and, and, and in my opinion, you know, you take a lot of pressure off Andy Dalton uh, by by running the football at a decent clip at, at an efficient clip um four yards four yards of carry yeah four enough, yards of carry but it doesn't always have to be four yards of carry it may it may, it may just have to be effective running if it's if it's third and two if it's third and three we, we we're gonna run the ball and we're gonna get the first down uh now we'd love to have third and four uh, we'd love to have four, an average of four yards a pop but it's really just effective running yeah uh, that, that uh, I, I would like to see the bears get into uh defensively you know, I don't really even know what to expect out of this Rams offense. You've got Cooper Cup and, and and Robert Woods really, really as dangerous options. But do we know what to expect out of Sony Michelle and what is it, Malcolm Brown playing running back for uh, for, for 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 the Rams uh, after losing Cam Akers? No, Darnell Henderson. Okay, I knew there was a name that I was missing. Do do we really think that, the, that these guys are are dangerous runners? Uh, you know. If we can get to Matt Stafford, get some pressure on Matt Stafford, and play adequate coverage in the back end on Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, then I have 
I, I got a, feel, a good feeling about staying in the game uh, and, and, and maintaining a close game and, 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 you know, and winning. My biggest issue is because consistency on offense is can Matt Nagy put up more than 16 points a game? Can he, can, can his offense put up, you know, enough points to, 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 to relieve some stress off the defense? Uh, you know, you're, if you, when your offense sucks ass, every yard becomes more and more important for, for, for the defense. Uh, and so, that's my biggest concern is, is will Matt Nagy put a competent offense on the field and, 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 and can he orchestrate an offense that will average more than what 16, 17, 18, 19 points a game like he's been doing the last handful of seasons. So what is your, what do you, what do you think your magic number is for points this game? What do you think the bears need to win? Well, here's your cliche. One more than the other team, but he, but they're going to need, uh, See, I, I don't know if it's a necessarily a number. Oh, they got to get to 16. Oh, they got to get to 24. Oh, they got to get to 35. Right. I think well, that's what I mean. I, so they, they have to be in control offensively. If if they go down the first drive and put a touchdown up and they're 7-0, that seven may stand the whole game. It really might. If you give, if you control the game with your offense, uh, I, I think it gives confidence to our defense and allows our defense to feel like their efforts are not in vain. Uh, so it could be just 14 points. It could be 17 points. But if they are the ones in control, not chasing points, not scrapping for every single uh, every single yard, but 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 more so out in front and p- playing from it from from in front. Chris, yeah, I mean to everything Joe's saying, the offense has to produce. The defense has to stop. You know, Matt Stafford and and essentially. Sean McVay, who has yeah. allegedly guaranteed a win uh, this now, week. Where did that come from? Where did I don't? I from? did see something on Twitter. I don't know if that's true or not, but we're going to pretend There's it no is because because Matt Nagy says it's true. It's more fun. It's more fun that way. You know, I heard uh, I heard Sean Desai came out and said uh, Sean McVay ain't shit, and that he's the beggar Sean in the room, and ain't nobody going to mess with Sean Desai. So. That's what I heard. But looking at these teams, you know, kind of going back to last year, they're honestly very similar uh, points per game. The Rams averaged 23.3. The Bears averaged 22.4. So right around the same points per game. Bears actually had more points per play because they don't have enough plays on offense. And this has been the problem with the Chicago Bears, in my opinion, for God damn, my whole life is that their defense is always on the field. They have an elite defense that can't keep doing it because they're tired because they're on the field for 60 plays a game, 70 plays a game, and the offense is only out there for 55 plays a game or some bullshit. Um, I can tell you the real numbers, but that doesn't make it much fun. Actually, no, 64 plays a game for the Bears last year, 67 for the Rams. So it's really not that different, but that's an average. So – if we're out there for you know only 60 plays a game on offense and the Rams are out there for 70 on offense, that means our defense is out there at a minus 10 uh, plays per game, and they're going to get tired. And then everybody's going to say, oh, well, this elite defense can't put it up anymore. Well, yeah, you couldn't either if you had to be out there all damn game. But that's my that's my keys to the game is they need to – Stay efficient on offense, stay on the field, have a big time of possession, which they sucked last year. Uh, they are not favored 
um, in that regard statistically either. They had the ball 29 minutes and 44 seconds of the game last year versus the Rams 31 and 30, 31 minutes, 39 seconds. So if they can run the ball efficiently, like Mr. Gaither said, and keep the Rams offense uh, in, in the three and out situations or keep their plays down, I think that they can stick in this game at least until halftime when Justin Fields comes in. If they're in the game, I, I don't think he's coming in. I think, I think if it's close, I it, I really think Fields probably comes in week two, and I think Dalton has to really be bad for that to happen. But regardless, um, I, yeah, I mean, you guys are spot on, and I know it's cliche to say, but if you want to run the ball, man, it's going to start up front. You need them guys to step up some way, shape, or form. I mean, the Rams have a very, very good D-line. I know they lost some talent, but as long as Aaron Donald's over there and you got, you know, Jalen Ramsey, who he had his – he had a – a decent way with Allen Robinson last year. I don't really remember Robinson doing much for him. I think Ramsey pretty much locked him up um, other than when Darnell Mooney was on him and cooked him and got overthrown. But um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be up front with that O-line in your face, smash mouth football. It's going to be boring, but the bears need to control the clock, keep the Rams offense off the field. And I think the biggest key to the game for me is make Matt Stafford beat you. Matt Stafford, I think is one of the most underrated quarterbacks to ever play football. The one thing that dude does not do is finish games or win games, as we've seen multiple times with the Bears in previous years. Like if you make him throw the ball 50 times a game and he's throwing it deep in the fourth quarter, he's going to mess up. The Bears need to capitalize when he messes up because he will do it. But if you give him an easy run and let the Rams start running the ball on you with Sonny Michelle, it's game over. Make Matt Stafford beat you. And that just means keep the game close until the fourth quarter. And I think he he normally does. His history shows make big mistakes. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, yeah. I think we all are probably thinking about the Eddie Jackson pick six on Thanksgiving. Chris uh, just Gilmore. every time, dude. Kyle Fuller, too. Didn't Kyle Fuller pick him off in the end zone one year on Thanksgiving as well? Kyle <laughs> like Fuller doesn't just, get picks. Dude, I, I just remember the one time the Lions are driving down the field with like 20 seconds left, and he threw a pick in the back of the end zone to Kyle Fuller. I think that was like on Thanksgiving as well. Regardless, Matt Stafford screws up a lot when the game is in his hands, and that has been one of his biggest holdbacks, I think. No, I agree. I do remember, and I can't rem- I can't recall if this game was against us or whatnot, but like Stafford broke his collarbone or something and played like one more play and threw a touchdown. And he's a, he's a tough son of a bitch. I mean, Matt Stafford is a good statistical fantasy football quarterback in all honesty. Cause if you remember Detroit sucks so bad, they threw 600 times, 650 times a, a year, you know, when, when Stafford and, 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 and uh, Megatron were in their heyday. Uh, but, you know, I think it's going to be interesting with McVay and Stafford, uh, out there, McVeigh calling plays and Stafford chucking it better than Jared Goff ever did. Uh, so that that combo concerns me the most with the Rams. Uh, their defense, looking at their you know their defensive line and and linebackers. Of course, we're going to see former Bear Leonard Floyd, which everybody likes to talk about how good he got after leaving Chicago. Um, but they don't have their you know the Chicago born or Chicago. Uh, 
a linebacker coach and defensive coordinator from the Rams anymore because he's the head coach really? of the Chargers, which uh, I learned on this podcast because I'm a dumbass. But Brandon Staley is no longer the DC in LA. Uh, couldn't actually tell you who it is, uh, but no, it's Raheem Morris. Is it really? Shit. That's not a terrible get. Uh, so, oh, yeah, there it is. Raheem Morris. Yeah, and their OC is Kevin O'Connell. And their special teams is Joe Joe DeCamillis. They're basically the Bears West. Come on, McVay. All right, now I see what's going on here. So if they win, it's basically because they have a bunch of former Bear people. That's that's, that's what I'm going to call right there. Let me circle back to the offense real quick. What we were talking about, uh, uh, Luke was talking about points per game or what, what's it going to take. I think the uh, the other biggest key for the offense is to stay on schedule. You know, if they're if they're going three and out, and they're going if they're going first first down, it's a minus two yard run. It's a it's a second and twelve incomplete pass, and it's a third and twelve six yard pass, and they're off the field. Like you got to stay on schedule and maintain drives. Uh, yes, we all want points, but it, but but if you can stay on schedule and maintain drives for a long for for a long enough time. That's what I mean by by control. Exactly, no penalties in the game, no backwards play, no pre-snap penalties, BS, false start, how, how legal procedure. Times, how many uh, times have we seen that on like third and two or like third and three? The Bears will get a false start or an illegal formation or something. And a yeah, lot of times and, it was by like, like Anthony Miller or or one of those dumbasses. But you just it, you can't have it. You're absolutely right, Joe, and that is a hundred percent staying on schedule because. Once you get out of that situation, I feel like Nagy goes super conservative when it's like third and long, and he'll just run like a draw play or something and concede the ball. How about those blocks in the back by Javon Wims against the Lions? He had a bunch. He was known for He had like two of them in the same Thanksgiving game. God dang it. If I at least the best thing about these speedy wide receivers is they're not going out there trying to block people like they're like they're an offensive lineman. They're just gonna be like, nah, I'm just gonna run by this guy. Maybe I'll get in his way. Yeah, you're not wrong, but Joe, that that's a great point. Staying on schedule is huge, especially if you are probably an in, you're an inferior offense, um, especially compared to the Rams. So, staying on schedule is huge. It's it really comes down to coaching and just focus. You know, I think was I. Oh man, I lost my train of thought. Um, Staying on schedule is obviously very important. Oh, the the penalties. You know, you're right, Lucas. That's like third and two, third and three. They'd get a penalty and go backwards. So in the Bears quarterback history is kind of why we see coaching staffs, not just Nagy, but, you know, coaching staffs from the past just kind of almost give up on third and more than – five if it was because of a penalty because it kind of sucks the life out of everything uh but with a guy like fields i think you have you know your your game changing possible okay so what we got a third and seven no big deal let's go you know fields biggest thing for me in the whole you know preseason and i know he was given a lot of shit for the quote about how the game was slow for him but the kid looks so damn comfortable in the pocket he looks so calm almost too calm in a way i mean you see trey lance dancing around back there a little bit you never saw that from fields he'd get the ball he'd stand he'd look he'd deliver his stuff 
uh, on target or he would, you know, rotate out and move. And the thing you never see him do is like move unnecessarily. You know, you no see wasted movement. like let's talk about the Clemson game where DJ kept moving directly into sacks like four or five times in the game. And you don't see that from Justin Fields. You see him move intelligently in the pocket, manipulate the pocket until he has to go and he and he goes quick. I I appreciate everybody, you know,'s vote of confidence for Andy Dalton, but Matt Nagy is itching to play Justin Fields, and he is, you know, gave inklings of that um, after that Mark Potash question this week, where you know it kind of sounded like Nagy's you know, ready to pull the trigger at a moment's notice. So if it's even close, I mean, look what he did to Trubisky last year. The guy threw one pick. It was a terrible read. I'll get, I'll, yeah, I'll say that I'm, I'm not a Trubisky fan at all, but he pulled him after one bad pick. Yeah. He made his promise to Andy Dalton, but like I said on Twitter this week, if he starts Andy Dalton and Justin Fields comes out in the second half. He's fulfilled his promise to Andy Dalton, and we all get to see Justin Fields. And if the game is close, even better. Luke, what say you? Nah, you're absolutely right. Um, I think we all agreed, though, that just the – it's kind of a – I don't know. I think that promise holds more weight than people think. You know, it's just part of being an honorable person and a respectable coach. So um, I give kudos to Matt Nagy for that. Um, even while Justin Fields is on the bench. And like I said, I, I think people are overreacting. You know, if he sits on the bench a few games, he's not going to ruin his career. Like, he's going to be just fine. Um, the Bears probably aren't winning the Super Bowl this year, so it's it's okay. It is okay. But, you know, I want to see them be competitive, and I want to see them win, and I think Fields gives them that shot and the best chance to do that. So the sooner for him, the better. Um, but like I said, uh, you know, Bear fan in me, Dalton's out there starting. I'm rooting, rooting for him to do well. So, yeah, I don't know, Joe. Joe, what do you got on this whole situation? I mean, you know, everybody expects the typical Bear fan. Oh, give me Fields right now! Give me Fields right now! And I am super excited about it. Well, I mean, obviously, you can check back and see on my Twitter my reaction to him getting drafted was very dramatic, and and that was real. And I'm, I am excited about him. I, I really am. Uh, but I, I just have this. I don't have any rush to throw him out there. Not in the first week against Aaron Donald. Not in the, not on Sunday Night Football. You know, maybe it's my trepidation as a Bears fan, remembering what honestly I went through with a bunch of my friends groups with Mitchell Trubisky over the last four years, uh, and, <laughs> and just bad quarterback play on national TV every single opportunity, and so they never even you know saw any of the good. Then there was some good. Don't you? You can't deny that there was some good. Uh, so for for Fields. I'm concerned. I just don't want the kid to get ruined. Now, do I think he's the type to get ruined like that? No, I think he is a steel trap in his mind. I think, but he is really solid between the ears. And I think that, uh, I think that the guy has what it takes mentally to take the pressure of playing quarterback in Chicago. And we, uh, we, we know that there's massive pressure in that alone. I think he, he's got the uh, ability to uh, the athleticism to, to understand and, and play with NFL defenses, which I think, Mitchell did have the athleticism, but you have to have the mental acumen to process things 
at a different speed. And it looks like, uh, to Chris, to your point, when, when Justin Fields is out there, his mind is processing so fast that his body is just chilling. And he's just his mind is processing, and, and and when he decides to make up his mind and do something, he becomes uh, extremely dangerous and, and really effective. So, uh, yeah, I am really excited for him. But do I want to see him in Week One? You know, I think going back to last week or week before, Luke talking about uh, Matt Nagy making the promise to Andy Dalton and how uh, the it, it shows a sign of it, of Matt Nagy's character. And while yes, this character gets you a win or a loss. No, it doesn't. But but I do think that uh, ultimately it shows who you are uh, and it permeates through your team. You know, let's give Andy Dalton a shot. I'm not confident in the offense with him at all. I'm barely confident in the offense with Fields. But it's not about really Fields and Dalton for me. It's about the offensive line. It's about the skill position players. It's about can the offensive line work as a unit, uh, pass, protect, and run and open up holes uh, for the running game. And if they can, then I think you know either Foles, excuse me, either Dalton or Fields uh, will be will be adequate. But uh, and if they can't, then it don't matter who you play out there. You can throw Nick Foles out there, and you'll probably get the same result. Do you think that? Do you think, like what Chris said, do you agree with what he said that uh, Dalton could get a very early hook if he messes up, kind of like we saw last year in the Falcons game? you think that's possible? Do you think that's going through Matt Nagy's mind? Or do you think Nagy is steadfast? I'm keeping him in no matter what Sunday. No, I think he's going to keep him in no matter what. I mean, no, no, no matter what. I think he's going to keep him in to a degree. Obviously, we all know when the when the blood is bleeding, uh, you're going to pull him out there after you know a handful of picks. But no, to the quick hook question. Uh, no, I think that he's going to uh, have some time to really burn this bitch down before before he gets pulled out. Uh, and, and and will that kind of suck to watch? It will. Uh, and we're all probably going to be upset and mad about it as it's happening and be yelling, Matt Nagy, pull him out, pull him out. You know, it's burning. <laughs> the, the house is on fire. Pull him out. Uh, but I think he's probably, at least in the first week, uh, going to leave him in the whole week, the, all, all game long, uh, and, and just kind of let Justin Fields soak in the first week. Uh, I think that's what's going to be the case. And, unless it's just so bad that, that, you know, he has no choice. And I'm talking like, I'm talking like absolute beyond Mike Lennon levels of bad. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I I brought it up as a hypothetical it, that he could fulfill his promise to Dalton and, uh, by starting him, you know, giving him a half and then going to Justin Fields in hey, the second half. All week, all, you know, all year, Chris, make him prepare for two, uh, two quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, I mean, Kyle Shanahan is telling people that Trey Lance is going to get snaps uh, regardless. But, you know, here, here's the thing, guys, is Matt Nagy is, you know, notorious for like, what was it, two, like that 2018 or 2019 season? He didn't even play his starters like one snap in the freaking preseason. So by my account, we're not seeing the offense that they're going to run in the preseason. And we're having two weeks of no kind of news about what they're doing. Uh, we're having two weeks where this offensive line can gel together. Uh, we haven't seen A-Rob. We haven't seen Dima. We haven't seen Komet. We haven't seen a lot of their offensive weapons. So, you know, the glass half full guy in me 
thinks that Andy Dalton can competently run this offense. Everybody in Bears camp said he looked very competent early on. And kind of as the season or as the preseason progressed, the defense kind of caught up with him, which is to be expected. But in my opinion, Matt Nagy is a good play designer. His just his deficiencies, you know, come with exploiting matchups, using his guys in the in the best of their, you know, capacity, and then kind of play calling and stacking plays. If he can utilize Joe uh or sorry, uh Bill Lazor and you know have him call the plays or run more of the outside zone uh read option type stuff that uh you know kind of made us successful last year with Mitchell a little bit in the in the on the offensive side of the ball then I think we could see a competent Andy Dalton run offense. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibilities or the plausible outcomes, but Justin Fields will run that same offense way better. And I know I've been the guy that has been, you know, weighed on fields, but I'm kind of getting impatient already because I want football to start. Damn it. That's all I want. I just want to see football. I think we're all with you. We're all chomping at the bit here. Uh, I mean, everything, you know, we're, I think we're hitting the nail on the head. I don't think any of us don't want to see Justin Fields. I think even deep down inside Joe wants to see Justin Fields. But just to everything we've said, like, there's yeah, a lot I'm, of so, I'm more nervous about kind of the outside stuff, not about Justin Fields. I'm more, you know, I don't want him to. I, so I, I Joe, don't want a bad offensive line to to kind of get him in trouble, and I don't want to hear bull, bullshit from my friends if he has a bad game and it's not really his fault. He, he just can't really get things done because of a you know bad circumstance. Uh, I, that, do think, kind of I do think. I do think the real. I do think really good quarterbacks do find a way to overcome that, though. I mean, we've sure. seen it before with, you know, Deshaun Watson, rookie year, Russell Wilson. And those are two guys who Fields actually reminds me a lot of. It's just the mobility, you know, solves a lot of issues with that. So, I mean, and I, it I makes get your, what you're saying. It makes your O-line better. You know, it makes the defense respect the running game of Fields and not be able to go, you know, balls to the wall. So – your offensive line can have more time to get their feet set and hurt people that way. Joe, are you saying that you are more so afraid of the national spotlight in week one? Like you'd rather probably see him in, in a locally televised game versus the Bengals in week two, or not everyone can just see him immediately? And, and... <laughs> oh my, and that's, I mean, all, and that's my I'm own selfishness. Serious. That's literally my own selfishness. I don't want the Twitter bar, you know. That's fair, dude. The Bears QBs get ragged on. Like, what else? I mean, yes. That's and here's a the totally, thing. I want to say this. Yeah, it's a fair it's sentiment. Not just from Bears, it's not just from people laughing at the Bears. It, you know, I know Trubisky was bad. A lot of it is. I, I, a lot of it is. I know Trubisky was bad. But we got to be better about supporting our own players, uh, in my opinion. I think that as a whole, the fan base is extremely negative, and And I think that permeates it to the team to a degree that, that, that uh, you know, it's just my own personal soapbox up on two cents. But uh, I think if the fan base was a little more positive as a whole, it might permeate through the franchise and through the organization. And, and you know, uh, some of these people that are in the organization would be more successful. Power positive energy. Bear down. That's my man, Joe. 
That's what I'm saying. Two-thirds of this podcast is very positive. Yeah. See, you guys are the positive ones right now, and I'm just like, oh, no, no. Hey, we, we balance each other out. That's why this is the best Bears podcast in all the land. Yeah, and you should sponsor it. All your Bears content. Miller White, the, the, the number one beer of the Chicago Bears, we would love to sponsor you, Miller, uh, be sponsored by Miller White. Uh, you can have your sponsorship read right here in the middle of this podcast as we're breaking down the Chicago Bears against the uh, Los Angeles Rams on week one of Sunday Night Football. Your sponsor could be read here. And now, back to the more Believe in Monsters podcast. <laughs> that was beautiful. All right, guys. Uh, let's go back to this uh, this roster. I wanna. I actually want to talk one second about the practice squad, guys, because everybody that Bears Twitter was worried about getting cut is basically uh, back as on always, the as always, practice as squad every time. So you know, Artavius Pierce is back. About him. Isaiah Cutler or Cutler, whatever you say, however you say that guy's name, he's Cutler. back. <laughs> Cutler, cuter. Uh, John Vea Johnson, <laughs> Charles Snowden, Dieter Iceland, Sam Kamara, who looked really good as an outside linebacker, but is listed as a D tackle. So that's stupid. Uh, Thomas Graham Jr., everybody's favorite, uh, Ryan Nall, Rodney Adams on the practice squad, Arlington Hambright, Daz Newsome, and uh, Tyrone Wheatley. But I kind of want to talk a little bit about this cap space thing, Lucas, that you oh, brought gosh. up. And it feels like we the same jackasses out there bitching about how we're essentially not going to have any cap space until 2023 are the same guys talking about how Justin Fields needs to play right now. You're missing an opportunity. We're so much better as if like you want to win now. So if we're so... You're talking out of both sides of your mouth. If we're so strapped for cash and we can't be good until 2023, why are you so freaking concerned about putting fields out there with guys who probably won't be here by the time you think we're ready to win? Joe, speak on it. Yeah, we're in, we're in trouble uh, on the cap side of things. And and, and really, I think it, it's always about Ryan Pace not being able to, to decide. And maybe it's the powers that be above him, uh, as has been discussed on this podcast before. May, uh, is Ryan Pace not being able to decide if we are all in or if we are rebuilding. Ever since he took over, he took over that jet, that awful, awful roster that was – uh, that made me sad to be a Bears fan and turned it into a division winner. Uh, and basically, ever since the division win, uh, he hasn't been able to decide whether, oh, we need to keep going with this Russia, with this group, or we need to kind of make some moves to blow it up. And so we've been kicking cans down the road on a lot of, on, on a lot of these contracts. And uh, the, you know what? The devil's going to get his due. It's time to pay. And uh, we're going to be in trouble trying to find some, you know, Luke has talked about it a number of times with having 30, what, 39 free agents on this roster going uh, for, for, for 2020, uh, 2022. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to be Ryan Pace right now. And, you, you know, we've kind of talked about whether he has a secret extension or not. If he doesn't, you know, or if he gets himself fired, the next GM has a mess on his hands. And and the next GM is going to have to, you know, go to the McCaskey family and say, look at this this mess of, of, of a cap situation. And, uh, you got to give me some time to get this right, like you gave Ryan Pace. 
So I'm concerned for sure. I'm concerned. It's not, you know, while there's a lot of hope on the uh, with the Bears, well, with Justin Fields and thinking, wow, we might have our, our quarterback for the next 10, 15, you know, 10, 15 years, and he might be a top five, top three, top 10 quarterback, top two quarterback in the league. Uh, but it's going to be tough getting him off on the right foot uh, it, it, with the cap situation. You know who else has a lot of dead cap space? The freaking team we're playing this week. $39.5 million in dead cap space. So it's not like it can't be done. And the sure. reason that we're even going to be competitive is because the cap space problems is a handful of contracts. And the guys that are actually starting and doing well for us, Eddie Goldman, uh, Bilal Nichols, uh, Jalen Johnson, Roquan Smith, David Montgomery, soon to be Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney, uh, these are all draft picks, a lot of them late-round draft picks that are fairly inexpensive. So, yes, Ryan Pace has his problems. And, yes, there have been draft problems as well. I'm well aware of that. But it can be over quickly, and he can reset and probably fuck it up again. But hopefully he won't. Puts a lot of pressure on the future drafts. I mean, so this this is the thing. The, the cap situation for next year, the Bears obviously have a lot of free agents, as Joe said. They also have a lot of money. Um, they have a lot of money, and then they have that a lot of dead cap for all the guys they'll probably cut, um, no guarantee. So uh, I think when it's all said and done, they would have about $60 million after they made their cuts, but then they would owe about thirty-five in dead cap, so they would be left with $25 million or so. Yeah, I just saw uh, a report that says 20%, it'll be 20, 20% of the cap space. It's about 20%. And it's listen, it's, it's not good. It's definitely not good, but – uh, as Chris said, you know, there are teams out there who have been doing that uh, successfully. I just think the the buck has to stop next year um, with bringing in these aging vets. And I think the Bears need to kind of turn the tide on the type of free agents they bring in uh, moving forward, especially around Justin Fields. And basically, my point is, if the, the Bears are in a little bit of trouble next year, if they can navigate that without pushing more down the road, they will be fine. Come 2023. Justin Fields' uh, third year in the league, they should be absolutely fine and ready to go. And that gives them three years on his rookie contract to win a Super Bowl. So uh, it's it's really going to be about navigating next year and not making the same mistake. And I think people are up in arms about the $4 million, $4.5 million guaranteed to Jimmy Graham. But the Bears had to do something regardless to go into the season with some kind of money. So it, it is what it is. You know, they – you know – they have kicked money down the road. That is a fact. Um, and some of it is from bad contracts such as Robert Quinn, you know, Nick Foles and Andy Dalton, whatever. Searching for a quarterback, adding a few quarterbacks to the roster, added, you know, a decent chunk of dead money. But regardless, if the Bears and Ryan Pace can navigate next offseason fairly successfully, they will be set up very well for 2023 uh, when Justin Fields should be ready to go. Yeah, the only one out of the guys that we're talking about that I flat out didn't get was Robert Quinn. I mean, I wasn't sad that we got him, but I didn't like the contract. Um, I don't hate having Jimmy Graham on this roster. I like Jimmy Graham, and I've spoke about it a lot on here. Uh, Nick Foles, I, I mean, I understand what the, what the whole thought process there was. I don't really understand if, like, we could trade him and – somehow get cap space back i don't think that's a thing but if we could that'd be great like if somebody can pay his salary but i 
somehow I don't think that's how it works. But if we trade him this didn't that happen with Osweiler? But they, they so they ate the cap. But, but they got they like gave, a second round pick. Yeah, they back got a second pa- round. So Houston sent Osweiler and a second round pick to the Browns, and the Browns ate all of it, I think. So if that's a possibility, that'd be great. But if Foles would only be a $4 million hit this year, and I can't see him being on the roster for the whole year. I mean, something's going to happen. Somebody's either going to get hurt or something's not going to work out in, in a situation like Indianapolis or with the jets or something where I see folds off this roster this year. And if not, then, you know, we're, we are, you know, kicking the can down the road to a degree, but you know, with the, well, Chris, with the- a lot of the, I think a lot of the issues um, I guess for people who don't quite understand the cap is that, a lot of these contracts, you know, the guarantees should be front loaded so that these guys are not making, you know, that way Robert Quinn's not making a ton of money in his fourth and fifth year on the contract. Like he's not even going to be here after his sec, you know, after his second year, he's going to be off the roster probably. So like, that's the issue is giving these contracts where the back end has all this money attached to it, where it should yeah. be the opposite. Right. And uh, I mean, it sounds simple, but you know, that's really what it is. Same with Nick Foles. I mean, Nick Foles, contract is like what technically four years or something like that it has the out but you're still paying him whatever his dead cap is for those last two years right and jimmy graham's probably going to retire next year and that still counts against the cap because it's just like a release player which that's a stupid rule nfl please change that uh but i mean akeem hicks is probably going to be off the roster next year that's you know 12 million dollars so it's going to be it's going to be a completely different roster, but I don't want to talk about next year. Let's talk about now and here and this game. Score predictions. Uh, score predictions. Let's do some score well, first, predictions. First, first, first. After Lucas has well, a first. Yeah, well, we did talk about this way back when, Chris, when we were doing our uh, our bets, our prop bets or whatever for this game, for the season, for the Bears. And I said that if the Bears got to seven and a half, I would probably take them. Are you taking that bet right now with the Bears' seven-and-a-half-point dogs, the biggest dog of the week? Are you taking them on the spread there? I already have, sir. At seven or seven-and-a-half? Seven-and-a-half. I waited. That's, well, that's I had the seven number. I had the seven bet, and like we talked about, I, I canceled that and did the division winner bet, which I still have, and I have uh, placed my seven-and-a-half wager because they're gonna they're gonna win outright, so who cares? Joe, are you taking the seven and a half points? Fuck cover that. No. Oh, so you think the Bears are losing? You think you think three scores? You have, how many scores are they losing by, Joe? What is your score prediction? I've been trying to think about it the whole time over here. I think it's gonna be. I think the Bears are going to score between ten and ten and fourteen points. Really, uh, I think it's going to be something like something like uh, twenty-seven, twelve, twenty-seven, thirteen, something like that. Uh, that's what I think it's going to be. You know, thir- if it gets real bad, thirty-one, thirty, you know, thirty-one to thirty-five range. But I think it's going to be about about twenty-seven, thirteen. You know, the Jets beat the Rams last year, right? 
I have no faith in our offense right now, and that puts our defense on the field for a long time. I think Matt Stafford's a better quarterback than anything Sean McVay's ever had, so his offense is going to be tough to stop, especially when you're on the field for 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 a long time. And like as much as I hate to say that, I think that it's going to be very very tough to you know to leave the defense out there if the offense is going three and out, you know, five plays and out, six, you know, just awful drives. Uh, and I think it's going to break the defense. Uh, wasn't McVay in Washington for the Kirk Cousin era? I mean, that is by far his best quarterback ever. No, I disagree. Respectfully. <laughs> I'm having more fun tonight than I've had in a long time. You Dude, you know what? So, when, when Kirk Cousins got his ass kicked against Alabama in the Capital One Bowl, you know what? That, that motherfucker has never beat a good team. He beats a lot of average teams and a lot of and a lot of bad teams. But what about when he beat the Vikings or beat the Saints in the playoffs? What's that? He beat the Saints in the playoffs in overtime. Yeah, what did the Saints do after that? I don't know. They went home. Yeah, they went home. I mean, and they ate some shrimp and grits. I don't. I really don't know. What do you mean? I mean, they lost. <laughs> they didn't. They, 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 that's what I'm saying. They beat he beat him. I'm not I'm not propping up Kirk Cousins. Let me stop trolling right there because he's trash. I'm just giving you shit about McVay. Uh I'm just saying the Jet who the fuck did the Jets roll out there last year? The Jets. They were like a I mean, top- Arnold, baby. Yeah. I just don't oh, have any faith dude, in the offensive listen, coaching staff. I have no it? faith in the offensive coaching. Because you know, I'm with you. Matt Nagy can draw up a play. That buddy can draw up some some men wide open sometimes. But when he, but I feel like his ability to press the right button at the right time is 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 suspect. I, I think his his ability to, to 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 construct a game plan to 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 work a game flow has been, now. Granted, I'm going to give you a pass, Matt Nagy, over the last three years because you've been dealing with Mitchell Trubisky and quarterback conflict and quarterback. I'm going to give you a pass. I'm, we're walking into the season with a pass. Because I know you can draw up some beautiful plays. I've you seen, know who can I've, pass? I've, I've Andy Dalton can pass. Hey, so you guys were talking about Kirk Cousins versus winning teams. Matt Stafford is 74 and 90 in his career versus teams with a winning record. He's the, that is good enough for Lions, a .452 winning percent. Yeah, but his winning percentage versus bad teams is actually like pretty good. Um, regardless, <laughs> like I said, he ch- – Dude, Stafford. I no, it's you. a good, it's a good, oh, it's does. a good comp, man. It's a good, it's a good stat. Uh, the difference, Joe, is the guys that are running wide open this time aren't going to be Anthony Hansa Stone Miller. That's going <laughs> to drop some balls. And that was part of it too. We're going to have you know Marky Goodwin and Demir Bird Brashard out there. Stone Perryman. Brashard, <laughs> I need to lengthen my fingers, Perryman, so I can catch some balls. Or use some big foam fingers, like from the stands. Maybe somebody can hand him some big foam fingers, and he can just be like, "I got it." But I think that's going to be the difference. Andy Dalton is is a professional quarterback who can pass the ball, uh, and I think hopefully, you know, Nagy gets out of his own fucking head and allows Laser and DiFilippo to be more involved in the play calling, and he goes to more of a CEO type coach which get your head out of the fucking play call sheet naggy know what's going on in the goddamn game so you know when to challenge calls and when not to and be a better coach this year please we would all love to see it 
Joe, you gave your prediction for the score. Yeah, 27-13. I'm going to stick with that. Rams, sadly. Lucas. I'm with you, Chris. Taking the seven and a half. I think there's a lot of points for an NFL game. Seven and a half is a massive freaking spread. I think, not saying the Bears are great, but they don't normally get blown out. They really don't. Under Matt Nagy, the team tends to keep games close, even if they get a garbage TD or whatever. I think they will keep it within seven points. Final prediction for the game. I'm going to say Rams win 27-20. I'm going to say Bears score kind of late in the game. Garbage time TBD. 17 or uh, 27-20 is my final prediction for the Rams, but the Bears cover the seven and a half. Chris. Hmm. 24-20 Bears. Bear down. Do you ever pick against the Bears? Will you you pick the Bears? Will you be Mike Dicka of the show? No, I think they're probably going to run into a problem with the Browns, uh, and they're going to run into a lot of problems this year. But I think the Rams are very beatable. Like I said, the uh, you know they're a very similar team. Um, I agree, Chris. They are beatable, but that just will the Bears do it is the real question. You know, actually, it's probably the pro. Like we talked about this with Joe. You know, kind of leading this this charge and them starting slower than shit. So that's going to be, I think, the biggest problem is them getting out of the gates slow. So I think it's going to be twenty four twenty. It'll probably be the Rams, but I'm gonna, you know, I'll be the homer. I'll pee the fucking Mike Didka twenty four twenty Bears. I mean, I want to pick the Bears. I want to say they do it because I always, I'm gonna go when 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 the game starts on Sunday night. I'm gonna be like, we're gonna win this. But me sitting here on Tuesday. Objectively sitting, I'm like, oh. You're right, though, Chris. The Rams are beatable. It, for me, I another key to my game is I want to see Matt Nagy go back to that shit he did in 2018. I want to see him do the freaking T formation and wild, just wild shit. Like, pull everything out of your fucking hat to win this game, man. Don't don't come out of the gate to running your stupid – like, come out here guns blazing, ready to win. Run some flea flickers and shit like that, like – you want to see some tight end jet sweeps and shit? Yeah, I want to see him do that every bleeping week because you, 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 you take it week by week. All we're some, trying to do is go 1-0, and oh, so do what you got to do. And some Santa sleigh with Jason Peters catching some balls with this fat ass. He wants a tight end, dude. Do whatever it takes, Matt Nagy. That dude does have a nice beard, too. Like, could do I like, thought you were going to say something way Santa. different. Dude, he's black Santa. <laughs> He's Rick Ross, bro. Dude, he does look like Rick Ross. JP, though, baby. I want to, dude, if, I want to see him get mad this game. I want to see him get fucking mad, dude. That's a scary dude. That's one guy I would not want to piss off. I mean, you want to talk about keys to the like D- David Montgomery needs to have a fucking game. Yes. He needs to have a right. game. But he, he's not, he's not going to do that unless the line blocks. Of course, he needs, really. But if the all one blocks for him, that mother that mother bleeper can run, and he's a tough son of a gun too. And I really love his agility. You know, people talk about oh, we don't have breakaway speed, and I don't care. I don't care about that. Explode through the hole and give me five yards every time. He does he have breakaway ball. speed, though. I think he he's took got a, pretty good speed. Uh, hey, uh, he took one offense. eighty to the house last year, and I think this offensive line individually has the talent to to be good. And yes, Lucas, we all know your affinity for offensive line. We get it. 
Get it. No, dude, I'm, I'm just laughing because I told someone that week, I think Montgomery was having a bad few games, right? And, like, his prop bet for the game was, like, 60 yards rushing. I'm like, dude, you got to – I was like, put your whole bank on this. Like, Montgomery is going to run for, like, a million yards today. So, like, you know, I, I put my money on there. And I, I literally, as soon as I turned on the TV, this motherfucker is running through the hole for, like, 85 yards. And I'm like, just cash down one play, baby. That was that was the first time I think Montgomery's had just an absolute massive run, though. There's the first one I remember. Yeah, well, I agree. he had one versus he had one versus Denver too, but he got caught. It wasn't like that. That was like 80 yards, and there was nobody near him. He was gone. Well, and he's been you know training with he Usain looks faster. Bolt he looks faster and I'm, I'm and outrunning him. I got him on almost every one of my fantasy leagues. I love them. I love him. He's in my keeper league, man. He's yeah, I'm, he I'm ready. Too. Demo so, for life. Yeah, exactly. So uh you guys with me though? We need Managa needs to pull out the stops this game. Like yes, he, he needs to pull out all the bullshit to beat this Throat, team. Uh, like, honestly, did I hallucinate this? I've been working a lot, and so I, you know, I just take up with, with Alabama news. <laughs> did I hallucinate somebody uh Matt Nagy saying something about throwing Justin Fields out there in goal line situations? I don't know if it's just an I don't know if it's goal line, but Sean McVay said he's preparing for Fields, and I think it would be naive to think that Fields doesn't play in this game at all. Okay. Okay. I think I, I, either I hallucinated that or I thought that, oh, that would be a good idea just to throw it out there. Just like, <laughs> some, if we ever got in the red zone, just be like, pop quick, pop Justin Fields in there and just see what we do just to mix it up on the defense. Uh, but that just goes back to what you were saying, Luke, pulling out all the stops. And, yes, I think that, that Nagy needs to do whatever it takes to to try to go one or no. And I, I know I predicted a 14-point loss, but if, if Matt Nagy pulls out all the stops and, and coaches his butt off, I'm right there with you, Chris Krogman, on a 24-20 win. You know, I, I'm there. They, they can do it, but I just don't have that much faith in it. Man, that's fine. I get it. I I, I get it. I can't really make the argument. I was going to write an article that the case for Matt Nagy, but I can't come up with enough fucking reasons. I really want him to. And like I said, you've seen, I've seen him draw up a million plays where I'd say, ooh, that was nice, and it worked perfect. So, uh, I, But I just think he struggles stringing them together and managing a game. Uh, mm-hmm. yes. and, yeah. and then it seems like when he, when he does have the right call, something out of the ordinary happens. Like sure, false start. Maggie, oh, if, yeah, exactly. If yeah. Maggie has everything he needs, so. something goes awry. But that comes down to coaching too. So we'll see, baby. Matt Maggie, this is on you. That's probably Luke honestly won. the biggest. It's honestly probably the biggest key of the game is Matt Nagy's coaching, honestly. I'm with you, Chris. I think the Bears could absolutely win. I mean – they got the talent, honestly, to hang with and probably beat uh, any team in this league. Anybody, but it's just yeah. it's whatever it's whatever happens with Nagy, in my opinion, every week. I is your yeah. That's I mean these are facts. I mean, and like I said, if he becomes more of your CEO type coach, where he allows his coordinators to be what they are and. Call plays, which you know, if you come from the the Andy Reid tree, that's what Andy kind of developed into. You know, early in Andy's career, you know, if that's the trajectory we're gonna yeah, give none, these none, guys, let me call plays, and Andy Reid just kind of sits over and was like, mm-hmm, "Yeah, 
<laughs> same. I mean, and that's the same thing he did with Nagy. You know, he allowed Nagy that second half of the of, of Nagy's year before he came to Chicago to call plays. And Nagy, you know, botched that playoff game. Says he called all those plays and all that shit. But if you remember early in Nag or early in uh, Andy Reid's career, he had a horrible. <laughs> Fuck y'all. He had a horrible, uh, you know, addiction to the passing game. He could not, you know, run the ball or stick (laughs) with the run to save his life. (laughs) Dude, I'm just, I'm laughing. I'm thinking about this. My strange addictions. It's just Andy Reid on there. You think he's going to say like cheeseburgers or something? He just says, the passing game. (laughs) Give me another pass. Give me another pass. Donovan, go pass the ball, Donovan. Man, Donovan. Oh, Donovan, man. I need to pass. Oh, dang. <laughs> Donovan, gotta keep that ball in the air. T.O., throw it to T.O. But we have LaShawn McCoy, sir. No, no. Throw it. Throw it to Darrell Owens. Yeah, that's the year they – would they make four straight NFC Championship games and couldn't close the fucking deal? God. No wonder he got fired. And then he won a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's not Matt Nagy's trajectory <laughs> right now. But Matt Nagy's also way younger than when all of that happened. So is he on trajectory no, I... to get fired like Andy Reid? <laughs> we'll Ooh. see, man. I mean, the McCaskies are pretty patient. Yeah, they are. But and I like that. I think continuity is good for for an organization. But speaking of the McCaskies, I had a morbid thought today. When can we start placing bets on when Virginia kicks the bucket? When she turns into Virginia McCasket. <laughs> but that's like now. I mean, she's like, I. she barely moves during games. I mean, when they like script pan to her and stuff, she's like, I'm, I'm concerned that she's not dead. She's 98, my Lord. And she is beautiful. Oh, yes. <laughs> that yeah. alabaster wrinkly skin and just white hair does it for me, Joe. Virginia. <laughs> Wearing that navy blue. Does someone else like? Do you think if she dies, like who inherits the bears, or do they sell them? They they uh, I read something where they have they almost have to sell them the way like the whole league and shit is structured. Plus that other that other group owns like twenty some percent. I mean, they don't. Oh, the Northwestern crew, the Fitzgeralds, whoever it is. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I wish I owned twenty percent of the bears. I wish I owned. T- well, if you want to be a Packer fan, you can buy shares yeah, and be yeah. a shareholder. <laughs> be a Why team owner. Say that goddamn word on this podcast. Team owner, shareholder. Those are fine. Packer. Ah! Packer. Ah! Luke, Luke, Luke. <laughs> you know what to do on the editing core, right here. Yeah, I'm gonna edit you out, screaming dude. shit out of here. <laughs> what are we? What are you gonna do during Packer Week, bro? You're gonna have a hell of a time. God damn He's gonna talk to his Lord. cousin. Those fucking bastards. They, you can call them anything you want. The, the, those assholes. You can call them anything you want. That team up north. That's a that's a pretty good one. That's a pretty safe one. Uh, Are we ready, gentlemen? You just trigger no. Luke needs the Bear words. down, Chicago Bears. Every play clear the way to victory. Victory. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Put up a fight with a might so fearlessly. 
fiercely. We'll never forget the way he thrilled the nation with Nagy's T formation. Bear down, Chicago Bears, and let them know why you're wearing the crown. You're the crown. motherfucking pride of Illinois, Chicago Bears. Bear down. Bear down. Beautiful. That was. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.